Hello, fellow freedom likers. Welcome to Legally Drunk, where our motto is... Golf's no different from hockey. Requires talent, self-discipline. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. Jakey Bird is flying solo with you for another mini-episode, and our topic today is the examination of the relationship presidents seem to have with golf. This is going to be more of a uh, fun episode, and I find this an interesting topic because there's been so much made about Presidents Obama and Trump's golfing habits to the point where golf has almost become a political subject. However, as is often the case in American politics, upon further examination, this politicalization of golf is nothing new. Kennedy, an avid and incredibly talented golfer himself, often criticized Eisenhower for how much time he spent on the course, even referring to him as the duffer-in-chief during his campaign. Now, throughout history, there have been many presidents who've taken up the game. Taft was apparently addicted to golf, which Teddy Roosevelt urged him to quit playing during the 1908 campaign, fearing that his frequent play was actually hurting his campaign. Among his eight years, which eight years is equivalent to 2,920 days, keep that number in mind for the rest of the episode, in office, Woodrow Wilson played an astronomical 1,000 rounds of golf. Wilson would allegedly play in the snow, and it custom black golf balls. Coolidge, by all accounts, was a terrible golfer. In fact, legend has it, the only thing he left behind at the White House were his golf clubs. In addition to on the course, lots of presidents have had effects on the golf world off the course. FDR was a talented golfer until his polio rendered him unable to play. But he supported a number of federal projects to build municipal golf courses, including spearheading the project for the now-famous Bethpage Black Golf Course. Eisenhower had perhaps the most interesting relationship with the game, being named Golf Week Magazine's Golfer of the Century in the year 2000. Being a member of Augusta National, Eisenhower was extremely talented. JFK's criticisms of Ike's playing habits, however, were not unwarranted, as he played over 800 rounds in his eight years in office. He would also frequently play with Arnold Palmer, with whom he won a Pro-Am charity tournament in 1964. JFK is perhaps the best golfer out of any president. He was on Harvard's golf team prior to becoming president, and was a single-digit handicap player. Unlike his predecessors, however, Kennedy would skip around the course, almost never playing a full round, and really limiting the number of days he spent on the course during his presidency. In addition to those presidents who arguably spent too much time on the course, there are also presidents who had a less-than-stellar reputation when it came to following the rules. It should be easy for most listeners to guess who they are, as the golfing habits of certain presidents might reveal a lot about their character. LBJ would reportedly take 400 swings in an 18-hole game, quite literally taking hundreds of mulligans. Perhaps he was jealous of the prowess of both Kennedy and Eisenhower. Nixon, while not actually a cheater, did quit playing golf during his presidency. Many, including Arnold Palmer himself, believe that this was due to Nixon's deep-rooted insecurities and his hatred of being examined in public life. Nixon was apparently a decent player, but in comparison to Eisenhower, who he served under as VP, and Kennedy, he was not that good. Reagan didn't regularly play golf, although he was a competent amateur player. 
he would often play as a way to relax during times of stress, playing on election days. A gunman once took a number of hostages at Augusta National's pro shop while Reagan was playing. He demanded to speak to Reagan, however, was eventually arrested, and thankfully nobody was hurt. Both Bushes were not known for their talent, although they were competent players, with W once shooting a 77 at Augusta. Both were known for being fast players, however, often completing rounds in under an hour. Bill Clinton was another player who wasn't too concerned with the rules. By all accounts, he would always play his first shot. However, his second shot was a different story. The Secret Service came up with the term billions, as he would take seven to eight shots after his tee shot, and was known to drop new balls almost at will. Clinton clearly had a love for the game, however, as he was even recorded playing by himself in the pouring rain. Interestingly enough, despite being a lefty, Clinton learned to golf as a righty. President Obama also was a lefty who golfed righty. Obama was often criticized by playing too much golf, playing about once every two weeks. This only amounts to about 300 rounds over an eight-year span, less than half and even a third the amount previous presidents have played. By the accounts of celebrities who've played with him, Obama was an overly generous golfer, awarding both himself and his opponents very generous putts, not really abiding by the leather rule. Unsurprisingly, President Trump has very little regard for the rules. Rick Riley, who covers golf for both Sports Illustrated and ESPN, wrote a book chronicling Trump's relationship with golf. While some might consider his writing political, Riley is an incredibly respected journalist who has won the National Sports Writer of the Year Award 11 times, which is the second most ever. I preface with this because some of his claims about Trump's cheating are truly unbelievable. Trump's caddies are apparently so used to him kicking the ball, their nickname for him is Pele. Riley criticizes Trump for not abiding by the leather rule, but in fairness, not many presidents have. As I've just said before, Obama was often overly generous with his putts. This is regular activity, and while yes, it is technically cheating, it's not activity that's outside the realm of a normal game of golf. However, Trump's cheating slips these bounds rather quickly. Reportedly, in a game with Mike Tirico, Trump discreetly threw Tirico's ball from the green and into a sand trap, something only reported to Tirico by Trump's caddy after the fact. Trump also claims his handicap is a 2.8, which would put him in the top 5% of all amateur players. This includes players of all ages. Now, to remind the audience, he's a 72-year-old man. For context, Jack Nicklaus the second greatest golfer ever, some would even call the greatest, is also in his 70s, and has a 5-plus handicap. Professionals who have played with him, including Brad Faxon and Hall of Famer Annika Sorenstam, have said that his true handicap is about a 10. Perhaps most jarring of all is that Trump claims to have won 18 club championships, something unlikely but within the realm of possibility if he was truly a 2.8 handicap. There are numerous examples of him cheating his way to club championships, and I'll highlight a couple here. The Trump National Bedminster course here in New Jersey, memorably the site where Trump traveled in order to raise money despite knowing he had COVID-19, crowned him their senior champion. However, mysteriously, on the day of the actual tournament, Trump was in Philadelphia. Trump played at one of his courses there, and on the day of the tournament, he claimed to have shot a 73 a score that professional golfers regularly shoot and is consistent with his alleged handicap. 
He was declared the winner, despite nobody verifying his score, and the fact that he hadn't actually participated in the tournament, or even played the same course. When someone from Bedminster called up the course in Philadelphia, the caddy reported that Trump had actually shot upwards of 82. It's worth pointing out that for an amateur golfer, 82 is still a very respectable score. However, evidently it wasn't good enough for Trump. Perhaps the biggest scam Trump pulls in declaring himself an 18-time champion is one that he is readily admitted to. When he opens a new course, he and Melania play the first round. Since Trump is actually a decent golfer despite his cheating, he beats Melania. And since he's the lowest scorer in club history up to that point, he declares himself club champion. Again, for beating his wife in a game of golf. Perhaps most obnoxious about Trump's cheating is that he's been said to do it in games he wagers on. Cheating on meaningless games is perhaps a victimless crime. However, when any amount of money is involved, this seems to become outright fraud. None of this should be remotely surprising to anybody who watches the news. But it's jarring to see someone cheat when they have nothing to gain from it. It shows the banality of their character. The rate at which Trump plays while in office is also important. Trump has visited the golf course 293 times over the course of his presidency, slightly fewer times than Obama did. When Trump says he plays less golf than Obama, this is technically correct from a certain point of view. Then you realize Obama's presidency lasted for eight years. In a much more real sense, Trump plays nearly double the amount of golf Obama played. Now, it's worth noting that Trump does play less than presidents I mentioned in the beginning of this episode. However, you'd have to go back to Eisenhower to find a president who played more frequently than Trump. And believe it or not, I'd still prefer Eisenhower. All in all, golf still occupies a unique place in our politics. And this will likely continue, as Biden is by all accounts an avid golfer. I find it interesting how each president's golf habits can reveal something about their character. And I think that's the beauty of sports in a lot of ways. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this mini-episode. Lou and I hope to have at least one more full-length episode up before Christmas, and if not, before the end of the year for sure. And until next time, we're out.